Joining me is Australian conservative political commentator and writer Evelyn Ray. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is going to be a blast. I know it's uh, it's fall in Australia, so soon it's going to be winter. I have to say that I spent a Christmas in Australia, and I thought it was so bizarre because it was hot. <laughs> it was summertime, and we're eating cold ham. So that was a weird experience. Have you had a northern Christmas? I have never had a white Christmas, a cold <sighs> Christmas. It's I feel like very nostalgic towards those things because of all the shows that we watch growing up. They're always set in a, you know, a white Christmas. So it's something that I really want to experience one day. But like you mentioned, I'm in my flip-flops, playing cricket in the backyard, going for a swim, and we basically fight each other over the air conditioner inside the house. Um, <laughs> and you have cold prawns, cold meats. It's just, it's just awful, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have to get up to Europe or at least somewhere cozy in America. Come visit at northern Idaho and have a proper Christmas and go on a sleigh ride. That'd be fun. <laughs> so let's That'd get be in, amazing. Let's get into some of your background and how you came to have an online presence. I know you came on my radar. I, I think it was probably about um, six months ago. I was like, oh, who's this? And liked your stuff. So tell us about how you came onto the scene. <laughs> Uh, so I actually came onto the scene um, probably in 2017, but back then I put I did all my authored works under the pseudonym um, Girl Rising Above the Noise because at that particular point in my life I was still employed as a detective by the police over here. So I was not actually able to put my name on things and my face out there because I was against the policy. Um, and so I sort of wrote under Girl Rising Above the Noise for a number of years. And then in 2020, I resigned from the police and all my paperwork officially came through. So I let the cat out of the bag. I think a few people thought I was some 40-year-old acne-filled man in my mum's basement <laughs> and I was faking being some girl. But um, I, it was me the whole time. And so I was able to sort of be really more out there and um, put my face on things as soon as, you know, I handed my badge back and could um, really sort of dive into it. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea that you were an investigator on the police force that's crazy wow yeah funny, don't funny hate me thing. for it no <laughs> it's no, usually no, 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 a dirty no. word <laughs> no no i always say there there's good cops and there's bad cops right <laughs> there's cops mm. in between so let's get the skinny i know australia we've been following and covering a lot of what's been happening during the covid lockdowns uh with the jab i mean it's just crazy what's been going on down there like they have been just hardcore like some of the most hardcore so what is the latest going on with the lockdowns and and mandatory shots well, lucky for us, us Australian citizens, we have an election coming up in May. So our politicians right now are, you know, scampering around, just desperately trying to get our votes back. So mandates by the government have pretty much been dropped in all states, except for Victoria, which is just, it's just awful down there for them. They've had it worse than all of us. Um, mask mandates were dropped in February. Uh, we've been wearing masks for pretty much two years years now um, and things seem to be sort of a on the surface look like they're going really well. The scary part is, I think, as I mentioned, because of our election, it's all kind of games. It's all trying to get our votes. And my biggest fear is as soon as the federal election um, is finished, that we're going to see the true colours of our politicians coming through again because of the handling of the pandemic, because of the way that our government have handled it. 
a lot of people are confused where to vote, which is also really scary as well, because we actually at the moment have our more conservative government as our federal government. Our Liberal Party over here would be our Republican type party, if I can use that as a comparison. And a lot of people aren't wanting to vote for them again because of how poorly they handled it. But unfortunately, our Labor Party, which would be the equivalent of like the Democratic Party, for example, uh, they're looking like they could have a pretty good chance of getting power over here in Australia, which means lockdowns for climate change. And a lot of people say, how can you say that? Well, they've already told us that um, it's something that they're considering. The earth has been healing through COVID because of lockdowns. And the Labor Party, which is in bed with our Greens Party, um, have said that they want completely renewable energies by 2030. So uh, it's it looks good on the surface right now, but I'm, I'm really fearful for the end of May, sort of start of June, what's actually going to happen for us over here. It's kind of the same crap, unfortunately, all the way up in, in Northern Europe, you have that. And then all the way down to Australia, it's kind of like the, the same song is being sung, right? We'll get into that later. <laughs> with the the great reset and and all of that, how it's affecting you guys maybe differently. I'm not sure. Um, What about those quarantine resort camps? Are those still still open? Are they being occupied? What happened with that? Because it was this full-on construction and everything for some of these, right? Yeah, our taxpayer dollars spent millions upon millions of dollars to build these quarantine camps. And it was all sort of done under the guise of, uh, you know, if you're a returning traveler or if you're this and that. But as we saw, it actually divulged into something a little more sinister than that. Um, The fact that they had to use Instagram models to hashtag Howard Springs quarantine camps and put half naked Instagram models, you know, to try and sell the idea that this was good was a pretty big red flag for those of us who don't trust the government over here. Um, We have horrible stories of people who stepped one foot off their balcony in these quarantine camps and they're slapped with $5,000 fines. You have people trying to escape and you've got to ask the question, if these quarantine camps aren't so bad, why are people wanting to escape? Why are police needing to enforce restrictions and to keep people there? The interesting question that I always asked from the very beginning was if the vaccine was the Messiah, the savior for all of us and we're not required to quarantine, when you think about it, If you look at the statistics, 95% of Australians are allegedly fully vaccinated. So why would we spend millions of dollars for 5% of the population who aren't even allowed to travel overseas anyway because of the vaccine status? So it's like all these draconian laws and measures. They've they've implemented um, permanent pandemic legislation over here in Australia now. So you don't need to have this accountability going to the courts and applying for emergency powers. The legislation is there and the government can use those powers at their mercy and at their will whenever they want because it's there and you go if all of these things are going to be finishing what is the need for this extreme legislation and what is the need for these quarantine camps if they're not going to be used for other purposes so it's a bit of a bit of a mystery what's going to happen with them in the future but it's a lot of money to spend for nothing 
Oh, they'll find some use for them, I'm sure, in the future. <laughs> yep. So I know we were talking about kind of your your conservatives are, are basically liberals. I mean, that's happening in America, too. We have there is no far right like they always talk about. Same thing in Sweden. The conservatives are, are pretty liberal, although there's some healthy nationalist, you know, parties rising up in Europe now. What is the uh, the political climate overall for nationalists and, and right wingers like down in Australia? And, and do they get a lot of flack? Like, for instance, people like us, we can lose. For, for talking about truthful things, you know, before it was demographics and then it's talking about COVID. Then you can't talk about Ukraine and Russia. You know, you lose bank accounts, you use, lose credit card processors. I mean, it's really a witch hunt. So what's it like in Australia? Yeah, so we, we don't really have many nationalists in Australia. I think our country was built without that sort of nationalistic pride. I mean, we say that we have it, but, you know, like an Australia Day comes around and we have our flags and we have our footy and we have our mates, but culturally speaking, we are very multicultural. So those of us who do try to hold on to the little bit of identity that we have as, as Australians are ostracized. We are sort of told that we're a fringe. We are sort of told that we're extreme, that we're Nazis. Um, I can't count how many times I've been called all those things just because, you know, I say that I want to honour um, our fallen Australian soldiers on Anzac Day on the in April every year. Like, how could I do that? Um, you know, and so over here, we don't really have a huge nationalist type movement. It's a very rare thing over here. I think we've been very conditioned generationally to just accept all different nationalities, all different um, family groups and people groups. Um, and that's kind of what we are. That's kind of how our country was built. So if you do dare speak out against these things and you do show some glimmer of nationalism or anything, you're, you're a bad person, according to most Australians, especially mainstream media and, and our politicians. Yeah, for the rest of the world, when you say Australian, everyone has this stereotype in their mind and the shrimp and the Barbie and, you know, yeah. out in the bush. Like, you, you know what an Australian is and, um, and the Europeans that made Australian culture what it is. It's like a America. It's a, it's a melting pot, mm. but it was a melting pot of Europeans, and then it became its own American ethnicity, you know? That's how I see Australia, too. And uh, I know you guys don't like to hear that, too, and it's always a, a bad rap about how you guys got all of uh, England's uh, criminals, right? <laughs> you people in Australia, <laughs> they don't true, like though. to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> we are a bogan nation. I think that's, you know, I think everybody's stereotypical Aussie is a bogan, is a beer-loving, pot-bellied, <laughs> kangaroo-fighting, um, just sloth, basically. <laughs> that's sort of our reputation. <gasps> our soldiers, though, to their credit, have got a pretty good reputation on the international scale to be pretty tenacious, pretty uh, rough and tough, and um, we kind of have a pretty good rep, I think, of being tough out there in sort of more war sort of scenes and things like that. But I think we've lost a little bit of our street cred even in that because of our response over things the last couple of years. I think we've disappointed a lot of people who thought the Aussies were real tough down under. You know, everything from our trees to our animals are trying to kill us. But if the government tell us to wear a mask, we go, yes, daddy. Uh, so I think we disappointed a lot of people um, people's perceptions of what we actually are like. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that too. I mean, when I lived down there over a decade ago, I had this uh, idea of what Australian men would be like, right? And then you learn like, actually, they're it's not very. Pretty. You know, they're 
were actually so liberal. <laughs> and as you say, like so many were so obedient. And I was like, where's that wild, rough and tough Aussie dude who can like get things done out back? You know, it's just it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> so I want to ask you, we're getting hit with some, you know, manufactured food shortages, supply chain issues. Are you guys having that kind of thing happening down there, too? To be honest, I haven't noticed it a lot. Um, because uh, I live out in regional Australia in the country and um, I, I grow and sort of um, butcher a lot of my own foods and meats and things here. Have you killed a chicken so yourself I, then? You can kill chicken yourself? I, I, I can, but I don't. So my I, mine are laying hens, so uh. I lay my chooks. But if push came to shove, I could do it. Nice. So that's the main thing, but they give me 12 eggs a day, um, which I consume every week. Um, and yeah, so I personally haven't noticed a huge uh, loss of food shortages. When I've gone to like the into town and done my grocery shopping, I have noticed that the shelves aren't as abundant as they normally would be. You know, you'd normally have a whole shelf and you've got a selection of 10 to 12 products. There might only be one or two. So there are little things that I I'm noticing, but we're not hearing much about this at all in any of our media, in any of our sort of um, even alternative media sort of sources as well. It's very hush. It's very quiet. Um, and no one's really sort of speaking about it. There were a lot of rumors that we have a lot of farming products that are really low stocked. Um which would basically in the end mean like a really big food shortage crisis. But as a farmer myself, the things that other farmers were sort of coming out and saying we don't have enough of, I wasn't really seeing that to be truthful for myself because I could just go to my local stock and I could buy those things in abundance. So there's a lot of misinformation over here, a lot of confusion, particularly around food shortages and the food crisis. Um, and at the moment, we just don't really know who to trust. What's a reliable source? Like Australians in particular have been abused and uh, completely just, you know, abolished all kind of trust in anything over the last few years. So it's really difficult navigating what's real and what's not. Um, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there is a food shortage crisis. I don't think we've seen a lot of it here in Australia yet, um, but I am still telling people to be cautious. Buy an extra can of tomatoes when you go to the grocery store. Just have a second pantry just in case. Yeah, because up here in America and parts of Europe, I mean, obviously a lot of these things are, are manufactured now. They're talking about the Great Reset. They're trying to tie in, you know, all this uh, COVID hysteria and also the, the one plus of the manufactured food shortages and supply chain issues is it fits in with the Agenda 2030, the environmentalism, and we can't, we're getting hit with you can't eat meat. We don't want you to eat mm -hmm. meat anymore, drive cars. They're pushing uh, this, what's it called, beyond meat, which is beyond unhealthy. Uh, all these soy proteins talking about bugs. Ultimately, they want us, you know, round us up out of the countryside as you live, being uh, so, not being self-sufficient, living in these kind of uh, gulag high-rises, right, in the VR sets, eating the bugs, just uh, totally mind control. <laughs> Do you think that Australia is getting hit with that that same kind of programming that they want the same for Aussies as well? 
Absolutely. It's like you said before, it's the same song that's singing the same tune around the world, uh, which again is a pretty red flag. We're all very different nations. We have very different cultures, all different degrees of things, but we're all getting told the same things. We're all being spun the same story. So that's a pretty good indication that there's obviously one movement that's trying to control lots of different nations. If you go to our local supermarket, there are whole aisles, whole sections in the fridge that are just for plant-based sausages, plant-based beef patty looking things. Um, you know, we're, we're getting so pushed with the veganism and the, and the alternative to meats and, you know, meat is killing us. Meat is, you know, ruining our climate. It's the same tune over here. We get pushed with it. And it's interesting. We are a very meat-based nation. We've got oh, yeah. a lot of lamb. We have a lot of beef. This is kind of what we do. And what I find hilarious is that they don't, you know, the people sort of pulling the strings, they're more than happy for us to sell our meat overseas to China and to other countries so we get a profit. But, you know, they won't stop, but they want us to stop, sorry, eating that meat for ourselves because it's all about appearances. It's all virtue signaling. It's all trying to, you know, get us into the same sort of um, final position, which is complete and utter control over our lives. They want us to be unhealthy. They like you you only have to look at the science to see how unhealthy these um alternative meats are, these alternative soy products are to see, you know, just how detrimental it is to our health to stay away from it, but they keep pushing it on us. So well and very there's sinister. That, there's that term soy boy. I mean we can see the effects of eating soy. You know, we see the feminization, uh we see men getting, you know, moobs and, and uh hips and their body shapes are changing. I mean, it's it's really alarming. Uh, so <laughs> our, our, let's get back to the question of men there in Australia. So is there, are the men being feminized down there as well? Yeah, look, I think Australians in general are very apathetic. We have the old saying of, she'll be right, mate. And we don't like to actually spend too much time thinking about things that are a little bit too hard. We're so apathetic to the point that we care about nothing except for our short-term comforts. And so, you know, a lot of men in Australia are taken by sports, the sporting culture, loving to go, you know, watch football with their mates and drinking beer, uh, you know, the surfing culture. But men who are actually into politics, men who are actually into um I guess looking into these things are a very small minority over here. Um, you know, men who are kind of into any cause, anything that requires more effort other than their comforts um, is a huge minority. It's not actually the norm for men over here to kind of uh, get involved with this sort of thing. Sure, there are great men. I'm not I'm not saying all men. I, equally, women are the same, to be fair. Um, but you know, because of that and because we have such an apathetic culture over here and we very much value security over freedom, we that sort of translates into the, the I guess, um, the attack on men and the gender around men because they just don't really care and they don't care about their sons or their nephews or any of those sorts of things. They just want their sport, their surfing, their beer um, and anything else that they have to think too hard about. They, they don't really want to get involved 
evolve. So we we do have um, a lot of men over here who just have no idea about the gender attack on men. There are a lot of men over here who are suffering from the gender inequality in Australia, particularly with our family law court system. Um, and then there are a group of men who are, there's, there's a huge LGBT, I don't know how many letters we're up to in that alphabet, but whatever, <laughs> wherever that goes, there's a massive movement um, of that in Australia with our men as well. So um, any man who is into politics, any man who is masculine, any man who loves his family, wants to protect and provide for his family, any man who loves his nation is a minority and they're unfortunately ostracized um, and told that they're toxic in Australia. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, just, it's there's a lot of parallels. I think America and Australia are closest of the European countries just based on my experience uh, living down there for a while. But yeah, it's the same thing in America. You know, it's the, the bread and the circuses. Uh, the the football, the beer, there's a lot of that. But at least you have here, you all have, you know, guys who are into football and all that. And I know football means something different in other places, but like American <laughs> NFL or whatever. At least a lot of them w uh, would vote for Trump. They would come out for that at least, you know, that was that was something. But yeah, they need to get off their asses and get involved because that's a huge demographic, you know. But and I guess in Australia, maybe it's one plus that some of those guys aren't paying attention to a lot of politics because then they don't get hit with a lot of the feminist propaganda and soy propaganda and stuff. And they just stay men. <laughs> you know, that'd be good. Mm. Now, let's talk about this whole fat acceptance, this whole body positivity movement. I mean, it is just getting out of control. I was looking at a tweet that you posted um, about uh, we're <laughs> we are on a terrible trajectory. We'll pull that up here. Mm. 1970 versus 2021 and just the major difference. Now, I'm not saying every, every woman needs to be 120 pounds. I mean, you could be voluptuous and, and look good as well. But we're just going into straight up just obesity and celebrating it. I mean, I, I've gone out shopping and I see the mannequins are just like huge plus size mannequins. I mean, it's just... It's out of control now. And now you see more and more of that on magazine covers and models. What is your thought on this? Yeah, look, it's a celebration of a deformity. I mean, that may sound harsh, but but that's exactly what it is. And it's an abnormality that they want to celebrate. And I, I tweeted something about this this morning because a lot of people said to me, Evelyn, you're fat shaming too much. I'm like, I'm not fat shaming at all. The well, you can. That's okay. Thing <laughs> Yeah. Well, the unloving thing to do would to be apathetic in my approach to this, to not be concerned, to not care. That's a very unloving thing for us as human beings to do when we see other fellow human beings on a trajectory towards death and not only just death, a miserable life, a a life that you can't live to your fullest potential. Um, there's no greater thing in life than achieving great things and doing great things with the gifts that God's given you. And he's given us amazing bodies to do amazing things. Um, and we basically abuse this temple that he's given us. We abuse it. And the worst part about it is it's, it's, it's not only encouraged, it's almost pushed and you're told that you have to accept this. Um, and I'd like to ask a question, are the companies that are promoting, um, you know, thick thighs, save lives, are the, are the companies and the businesses that are capitalizing on people's unhealthiness, are they going to sit beside these 
40-year-old hospital beds when they're dying of heart disease and kidney failure. Are they going to do that? No, they're not. They are literally going to capitalize on their unhealthy habits. They're going to take their money from them, suck them dry, tell them it's okay, pat them on the back, and then leave them for dead. That's the harsh reality of this fat sort of movement. Um, and what's really interesting, the more I, you know, I've been living at the farm, I drink raw milk, I, I, I eat raw eggs, I eat meat, I basically just eat meat and fruit, that's sort of my diet. And the more I get into health, the more I see how closely linked our health is to our politics. Generally speaking, and, and mostly speaking, a healthy person is a responsible person. A healthy person is an independent person. Um, the more unhealthy you are, the more ill you are, the more um, lethargic you are, the, I guess the more lazy you are and the more difficult it is for you to do basic sort of tasks and the more you're going to rely upon the government to make up for those things. So generally speaking, healthy people are freer from the government and health and fitness and politics, are, they're, they're sort of married together. And so when you see people attacking um, health, and by when I mean attacking health, I mean when you see people promoting unhealthy habits, you go, uh, no wonder why. They want you to be sick. They want you to be dependent on them. They want to control you and they want your vote. They want your money. Um, and no one actually cares about the poor individual who, as I mentioned before, will probably live a very miserable, unfulfilling life and will probably die early, will probably be infertile. Um, it's just a really sad trajectory, as I mentioned, that we're on. But you're not allowed to talk about it because, you know, you're fat shaming. No, I'm not shaming the individual. I'm shaming the ideology, the ideology that this abnormality, this um, deformity should be celebrated. It's it's really unloving for me to to do that and to tolerate that. Yeah, I mean, it's so clear that those who are socially engineering society are pushing this, right? They're behind it. it it's in all the mainstream media. You're seeing it now more in movies and uh, the fashion industry. And why? It, precisely what you said. They, they want us to be unwell. They want us to be sick. They want us to be dumbed down, eating all the poison foods and all the chemicals, right? They don't want us to be able to be healthy, to be able to see what's going on, be clear-minded, and be able to fight back, right? We know that when COVID or whatever it was hits, I mean, generally people uh, that get hit with sickness, sicknesses and, and die more so are o or obese and they have all these other issues that they're fighting with also. Uh, we've seen a lot of articles in America lately that have been complaining about fitness uh, fitness is fascism now. Wanting a, yeah. a guy wanting a hard body is, is like the worst fascist uh, Hitlerian thing you can do. Or celebrating women who have like curves in the right places and who take care of themselves is also celebrating this white beauty ideal. And it's Nazism and it's, it's fascism. It's so clear what they are doing mm. and how they don't want us to be well. But you brought up diets. I wanted to get in. I think this is a good place to get into it. I think we have a lot in common there. I'm, I'm definitely into organics and paleo. I'm a huge meat eater. I don't do like the breads and the wheats and the things. Uh, sugar, I just can't do sugar. I even cut out seed oils recently. I saw you had a post about that. I wish someone would have told me about that years ago. I didn't know how bad that was. But let's, let's get a little insight into <laughs> your diet and some tips for people. Yeah, so um, I actually ate paleo like you probably in my mid-20s and I did it for 18 months in total and 
I was ripped. Like I, I was so healthy. I was playing professional soccer, football, getting paid to play. And I was just at the peak of my life. Um, I then um, actually had with the police a, a flu vaccine and I got very sick from it. I had a very terrible reaction. I had partial, my lung partially collapsed. I had to go on steroids to get my lung working again. And it was just awful. And I sort of felt like I bulked up again. And I was just like shocked at how much gluten and sugar has a negative effect on my body because I'd cut it out for so long that, you know, when I was sick and I just was not in any state of preparedness to deal with that. I just ate whatever I could. I I was still fairly healthy, but, you know, I didn't, I wasn't strict paleo like I was. And it kind of, it really shook me. I was like, I can't believe how much my body hates what I'm putting into me. And so that sort of started my journey on understanding sort of foods but it was a few a few years ago i started to notice irregular things as a woman and i was like what's going on this isn't normal and i started looking into things um and i sort of i, I got this book um which is all about additives added into food you know how every label has like a number five three one whatever and i read this book that tells you every single additive every single preservative what it actually is what it's made from food dye food coloring and it just blew my mind and i ever since then i've never been able to eat i just can't do it because i'm looking at it going that's literally poison yep. into my body everything all these additives and preservatives are basically a carcinogen. Red food dye, there's one version of red food dye that's made from dried beetle wings. They literally get <laughs> wings off a beetle, dry them, crush them into a powder and add them to things. These beetle wings are carcinogenic. They are literally causing cancer and there are multiple studies on it, yet they use it as red food coloring. And I was just like, this is really bad. And so I sort of started to really cut, I went through my pantry and I got rid of everything that had a number on it. And I was basically left with my freezer with, with the cow that I'd butchered. And I was left with the fruit and vegetables. And I was like, well, I guess I'm back to paleo again. But it sort of digressed from there even further because I started looking into fruit and vegetables and how they have been so genetically modified and manipulated by a man. They're actually not integral and they're actually not really really proper like corn for example is really bad for horrible you. i avoid like that favorite yeah i always yeah avoid corn. and yeah there's so many and so i ended up finding that i was probably more keto uh carnivore where i was like eating meat and animal products um and then i sort of started to introduce fruits because i have an orchard here on my farm so i have peaches plums nectarines apricots i have um, pears, apples, like I have everything. And so I didn't want to waste it. So I started to sort of incorporate it. And then every morning now I eat a whole melon for breakfast, basically a rock melon, a honeydew, something like that. And I just, it's like, they call it nature's milk. Um, and I looked into all of those sorts of caveman type diets and within, I would say six months, I dropped 11 kilos and I wasn't big by any means. I'm about 60 kilos, but I dropped like like 11 kilos so quickly. And I remember the first two weeks where I completely cut sugar out of my diet, like all together, I was violently ill. I was like a drug addict coming yes, off is. sugar. Yeah. It, yeah. 
It was just with and anything that does that to you, you've got to go, it can't be good. Anything that gives you drug addict withdrawal like symptoms. And I felt like I had the flu. Um, I was so sick for a couple of weeks. I was like, I, I just can't do it. And because of how sick I got coming off it, I was like, I'm never going back to sugar because I will obviously have to get off sugar because I know it's not good for me. And I don't want to go through that two weeks of hell again. Um, so yeah, I, I, I eat, as I mentioned, uh, raw eggs <laughs> nearly a few times a week. I just throw them back um, and a lot of meat. And I, I pretty much don't eat starchy vegetables like potatoes or anything like that. Um, lots of fruit and lots of meat and lots of butter <laughs> proper butter <laughs> exactly that's the other thing yeah. you don't need those seed oils they're toxic we've talked about that on our show before people should go do some more research to just see how these things are processed and how they become carcinogenic and how they can literally mm. alter your dna when you eat them it's really scary so you have to stay to the things that all the mainstream science is telling you not <laughs> right now so like butter yeah. you can have ghee you can have olive oil you can have coconut oil you can have lard those are the best things to cook with and you get the good uh, you know essential fatty acids in your body that you need to i'm i'm having olive oil so i don't do fruits but i do a lot of salads and greens with my meat because i needed that to just balance out you know the acidity and things like that and i also have a reaction to sugar so i just can't even do i wish i could but i can't do sweet fruits so i pour just tons of olive oil on all my my vegetables that i have and i try and do that you know every day and i notice a big difference like you don't have the brain fog. You can think more clearly. You know, it's the uh, sugar just is poison and it is in everything. Even when you go shop for organic and paleo stuff, there still will be sugar. I do use some coconut sugar. I don't know if you guys get that down there. Mm. A little coconut sugar can be good when you want to, you know, do some like paleo snacks or whatever. But you basically have to do everything from scratch anymore because of all the, the sketchy additives and things. If you want longevity mm. here, if you want to age and feel good and not be uh, old and decrepit and <laughs> look disgusting, you know, uh, and not end up in some hospital bed and, or be warehoused for, for the rest of your life when you're older. You know, you have to eat right. And I find that it's interesting... Mm. In America, like or the whole organic scene's being attacked more so now because it's it's a lot of conservatives are shopping at places like Whole Foods and farmers markets and they're prepping and they have gardens and things. And now it's this thing that's like it's dangerous. <laughs> People controlling yeah. their own food and having these farms and oh my god, these extremists. But a lot of us feel like that's what we need to do is get self sufficient. Start with a uh, you know garden at least at least a garden and some chickens first right mm -hmm. i know you have i think yeah go on yeah i think a lot of us have lost the ability to basically take care of ourselves including growing food and it's such a skill that we should all have we should all do as you mentioned just put a veg a little small veggie patch in your garden and there's your salad that you you know what's going into it you know what you know you're watering it with you know how you are cultivating it and caring for it you know how you harvest it you know what you've sprayed on it or not sprayed i don't spray anything on mine um and it's a lot better for you going back to what you mentioned about seed oils as well in australia we just had this massive recall of um our sunscreen products over here that they now cause cancer. And I spoke about this ages ago, like a year ago, and people called me a conspiracy tinfoil hat wearer because I said, stop wearing sunscreen, it gives you cancer. And then people look at me like, how stupid are you, Evelyn? It's the sun that gives you cancer. Melatoma rates in Australia are through the roof, the highest in the world, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, 
if you look at when sunscreen was implemented, when it was first brought into the market, and you look at the rate of incline in um, cancer, melatoma skin cancer in Australia, they all are on the same same path and they're all traveling at the same thing. And I was saying a long time ago, it, it's not good for you. Get off um, sunscreen. And it's just sort of come out. And I'm like, I had the whole, I told you so, you know, like I told everybody this and no one listened. But a lot of people said, what's your alternative then, Evelyn? we can't use sunscreen and we get burnt. And the first thing I said was get off seed oils because it's if you get seed oils out of your diet, you are less likely to burn. I have a friend of mine who's redheaded, very pale, very freckly. The sun basically was not made for her and she cut seed oils out of her diet and she can go out in the sun without getting burnt now. Wow. Um, and so it's, it's just amazing um, how, how deep the rabbit hole actually goes with our health holistically from the food we eat to the products we're using on our bodies to our cleaning products to what we're washing our clothes in it's all relative it's all relevant it's all linked together and if you look at who's pulling the strings it's the same people it's the people with riding the globalist agenda train that's right and we all know where they want to drive us to that's right you have to look at this holistically so i'm always hammering about diet and products and things like that and some people can complain oh it costs a little more money uh would you rather invest in your health now there's always other places where you can cut corners and nowadays like in america there's so many different organic products and things that you can buy it's actually quite competitive so it doesn't have to be you know 30 dollar deodorant or whatever you know what i mean you can find things that are more affordable but yeah as, as far as sunscreen too i have done my own i didn't know that about the seed oils that is interesting about burning more you get a lot more sun in australia than i'm getting here in northern idaho but um zinc oxide powder you can get just just good old zinc oxide and mix that with some essential oils and a carrier oil and voila, you have some sunscreen. You don't have to put aluminum in it. I mean, the stuff that they're doing, and I've, I've talked about this many times as far as the endocrine disruptors. You know, they, they like to tell us there's all these people that are gay now and trans now. And I can't help but to feel, and I know a lot of it is propaganda, of course, and, and also abuse that contributes to that. But I can't help but to feel that it's also a lot of these products that are estrogen mimicking products that actually affect the baby while in the womb. There's been studies that have come out even in Sweden that they did where a child could be born with basically one sexual brain but different parts and they're misfiring, right? So what is creating that misfiring that is going on in the womb and then also all the when after the baby's born having all you know chewing all the plastic toys, all the the feminizing products, you know. So it's all out of balance and I think it all plays into their agenda including this push for for gayness. Like if you watch TV right now, which I don't, but do if you put it on for research purposes you'll think that everybody is gay and trans <laughs> you see the ads mm. like it, it's we're getting it in our face constantly like they want us they want us to be gay they want our kids to be trans and gay and i feel that it's it's personally about a ultimately a, a depopulation agenda also going into the transhumanist agenda right so what are your thoughts on this whole push with the lgbtq i mean our kids are just getting hit with it hard in the west right now i mean five-year-olds are learning about anal sex in sex ed right now Mm. It's so we just need to protect our babies so much right now. The like it was hard enough for our generation growing up with all of the nonsense out there in the world, and it is just tenfold. It is just 
it, it's moving at a very fast, very rapid pace towards full and complete degeneracy. And, you know, like as if, if you're a parent and as a parent, like there's just nothing more you should do in life than protect your kids from this and try to maintain their innocence. Um, I think it all comes down this whole um I guess gender issue is people want to be their own gods. Who who defined what gender is? Well, it's in Genesis 1. God defined it, male and female, and he made us in his likeness. And so anything that almost goes against that is blasphemy. We're blaspheming the image of God, men and women, and we were created with such unique and distinct purposes. And I think it all comes down to this relativist, subjectivist, philosophical worldview where everybody wants to be their own God. And how do you do that? You have to speak as though you're God. So that means they need to redefine the definition of gender. They need to redefine what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. And therefore, then they are their own God. They can control their own thing. And what they don't realize is it doesn't make them more free. It actually shackles them to a life of misery. It actually sh it shackles them towards tyrants who can control them. But it's all an abomination to the created order. You know, God spoke to the to the water and turned chaos into um, into order. He turned chaos into creation. And at the moment, we're not really allowing God speak into our Western nations like we once did. Why did the West prosper so much more than other nations? Because whether people like it or not, we were created, um, the West was basically created on the backbone of white Christian men who loved God and created the government and created our culture with that understanding. And so all of this is an attack on the system. And the reason why we're not prospering like we used to is because we're not really letting God speak to our culture anymore. We're not really letting him do things like that anymore. And now it's, it's, we're regressing back to the beginning of creation, which was water and dust. We're basically, you know, he created us perfectly. He created man and woman and we've stopped letting him speak. And now we're turning back to chaos and things are going back to the dust. Um, but the push on our kids, that's, they do it because you get them when they're vulnerable. If you can get children when they're young, when they're vulnerable, you can basically affect their decisions for their entire life. And they know this, then they know this well. There's a study out there that shows if you haven't won the loyalty of your children by the age of five, you've pretty much lost them. Um, and the people sort of who want to destroy what we have are certainly uh, exploiting that vulnerability of kids. And they're trying to win the hearts and minds of them before um, their loyalty is, is with their parents so that they can control and manipulate their decisions for the rest of their entire existence. It's very sad. There's no real safe place for kids anymore. School isn't safe um, and the institutions that we have aren't safe. The only real safe option as a parent in modern Western world is to homeschool your children. Protect the four walls of your home at all costs and protect them. And this idea of children being sent out as salt in the earth is just ludicrous. You don't send an 11-year-old out, out to war and say, fight this battle. No, you keep them at home and you train them. And when they're at a right age, you go with them into the world to, to make a difference. So, um, you know, I think at the moment the attack on our kids is is so bad that there's no real option for parents at them. There's a very limited time to allow them to be exposed to this um, 
without losing them. Yeah, you absolutely have to homeschool because there are forces. I mean, I've we play footage all the time of some of these teacher activists and they're just like psychotic, obsessed about turning these kids into basically what they are, right? They want more of them. They want to recruit more of them. But, you know, thinking in terms of higher up, there's definitely dark forces at work who are who are anti-nature, who are anti-God, and they just get off on perverting things and defiling things and ruining everything that's beautiful and pure and natural and healthy because this is what they do. They're they're destroyers. They want to break things down. And we stand in the way of that, uh, for sure. People like us, definitely uh, conservatives, white people, right? I want to get into a little bit of that later, but I saw that there was a story that there's a a clown, a teacher, a pedophile abuser who was caught in Australia in Melbourne is a music teacher who liked to dress like this crazy, creepy clown that reminded me of that. Uh, what's his name? Macy. That's a serial killer who was gay and he killed a bunch of a bunch of boys. He, yeah, he dressed like that. So this guy and his boyfriend were charged for 30 five child sexual offenses. So basically they're pedophiles, right? Statistics confirmed once again. Now they engaged, in, this article says, in vile sexual activity in the presence of a child. They sexually touched children. They produced child abuse materials. I mean, this is disgusting. Did you hear about this? Was this big news in Australia? No, it's surprisingly, it wasn't big news. Well, actually, it's probably not surprising, um, but this didn't make huge news headlines over here in Australia. I actually worked as a detective at the Child Sex Crimes in Australia and the Abuse Squad, so I dealt with this as my bread and butter, and it would actually truly shock people to learn how common this actually is. So as a detective, I would have about 30 cases going at one time for just a small area. And the, the sooner I, I closed a case, there would be five more waiting on my desk for me. It was never ending. I have seen some of the most awful things that a human being should have to see um, done to children. And um, it's something that I'll have to carry around for the rest of my life, but it's a lot more common than people realize. And the problem we have is it's becoming almost more acceptable by our culture. You have university lecturers, you have people in positions of somewhat authority or influence who are saying it's a sexual orientation. It's not a crime. And they use this language around it to almost desensitize us to the depravity of what's actually going on. And you've got to ask yourself the question, why? I mean, if we all abide by the slogan, love is love, which is what this gay community, LGBT community sort of live by, well, then what's stopping somebody from loving a child? Where do we draw the moral outrage? Because if it's based off a relativist notion of love is love and we have to accept it, then we have to just accept that this is normal. And that's what they're trying to do. And we have to be awake to the language around it. We've got to stop changing the way that we talk about sin and depravity and these evil ideas. I mean, you know, a uh, <laughs> adultery is now an, an affair, you know, a fling. Uh, you've got uh, kids who uh, talk about, you know, divorce as a as a separation or, uh, you know, something like everything is 
the language around things is being softened so that it desensitizes us to how horrible it is so that we then just accept it as normal. And it's like that around pedophilia, around child sex crimes. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a sexual orientation. Yeah. It really is. But this is, the, this is the thing. They can't produce kids, so they want ours. Mm-hmm. They exactly. literally cannot produce their own children, so they want ours. That's right. And they will come for our kids at whatever cost because they can't indoctrinate their own kids at home because they cannot have them. Yeah. And now you might talk about IVF and surrogacy. That's, that's a whole other topic. But generally speaking, they can't have kids mm-hmm. and they come after our kids when they're young, when they're vulnerable, when they're impressionable. It's just a standard form of indoctrination. And unfortunately, pedophilia and all these things is all under that same banner where we have to, as for some twisted disgusting reason except that it's a sexual orientation we have to feel sorry for the poor pedophiles who have these feelings because nope. we'll know zero tolerance you belong in jail zero tolerance <laughs> you know zero tolerance wow i'm sorry you had to see some of that in that that department god i couldn't imagine that would be that would be rough mm-hmm. and i hate when they say love is love uh, uh, a pedophile going after a young child is not love that is a, abuse <laughs> there's, there's nothing short of absolute the the most wicked kind of disgusting abuse. I mean, it just it just angers me so much when I hear about this. And we're just seeing that accepted more and more and more. So that's why you have to put your foot down. You have to be loud about this. If you're not loud about this, if you don't protect your children, what kind of future is there? <laughs> you're just throwing them out to these monsters and these wolves. And then on the other side, we have all this stuff going on in America right now with Roe versus Wade in the U.S. There was this leaked. So if they can't abuse them, they basically want to kill them, right? And these feminists are celebrating, you know, their um, abortion rights and all that. And some are even saying how they, they get off on it, right? They I enjoy killing my baby to stick it to conservatives. I mean, I've seen all these sick tweets. But there was a leaked draft document by Justice Samuel Alito suggesting that the U.S. Supreme Court will vote to overturn Roe versus Wade. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court just said there's an investigation. Obviously, it has to be voted on. Now, in my view, this will never be overturned. I don't think so for a second. So we're in Weimar, degenerate, uh, you know, clown town America. Uh, they're going to protect this uh, at all costs. What are what are your thoughts? Look, it's just it's just perfect for bringing on the summer of love in America, isn't it? I mean, we had the BLM summer of love like last year. It's like, well, what can we manufacture this year? I know. Let's let's leak some some important documents and let's create and manufacture another summer of love for the you know hopeful American citizens yeah. who really want to live through that again. Um, I think you'd have to be pretty pretty uh, naive to to believe for a second that these were accidentally leaked. There is yeah. absolutely no accident at all. And you've got to go, the police were ready, the barricades were ready, everybody was ready for the crowd, for the protest, for the riot. And I, I worked for the police. I tell you what, we're pretty, we're pretty bad. We're, we're not quick uh, and there's, we're not very organized. <laughs> and uh, that, that would have taken a lot of organizing to make that happen pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, you've got to ask why did they want this release? Do they want the Supreme Court justices to be bullied out of their decision, out of their vote? Do they want to pack the courts? Do they want all of these things to happen? Is that why it was leaked? Um, And I think if you always find out the why, you can usually pretty quickly figure out what's actually going on. Um, I'm not sure if it will be overturned. I'm not sure I'm completely in the pessimistic spectrum of it. But what I think is important to note is that 
this isn't this doesn't end abortion by any means all it does is make some states a lot better and some states a lot worse so i think you know in america for example um, states that protect the unborn this is fantastic there's no loophole there's no this or that you're not protected by federal law um, and it could be pretty bad for you if you do an abortion which is fantastic there is justice there but in states like new york and a few of the more uh progressive sort of states, uh, this is a really bad thing because you're going to be having people flocking to those areas um, and you're going to be having a lot of really angry people who are probably going to deliberately do things just to prove a point, um, which is very sad. But yeah, it's not the end of abortion. Um, I think what we have to really do is pray for these Supreme Court justices, pray that they actually do the right thing because I think ending the federal Roe v. Wade is a really good step in the right direction, um, especially as politics change, as each state becomes more autonomous and, you know, you can vote different political parties in. Um, it could be a really good thing, a really good structural foundation that you can build upon. Um, so I think that's what our focus should be, uh, should be really praying for the people who have to make this big decision, pray for their families. My goodness, if anyone votes to abolish Roe v. Wade, like you can pretty much guarantee their family going to be come after. They're probably going to want to kill them. Like let's fight. They want us dead. Anyone who wants to save the unborn, they want us dead. They see that as, as the ultimate branch. Oh, of evil. and there's been stories. Sorry. I was laughing at this meme earlier. Look at this. <laughs> There's so many good ones out there. Like, that actually is how some of these women look, you know, <laughs> these pink-haired, annoying feminists. <laughs> Oh, I see so many good ones. <laughs> Let's go back to that Amanda Dor Dorte one, too. I don't know, some has-been actress or whatever. She said, uh, I do wonder how these white supremacist lawmakers would feel if their little white daughters were raped and impregnated by black men. Th this is what she says. And, and I my response to this is that, you know, women like her are sick. They actually want this to happen to end uh, white supremacy. It's part of this mocha-colored future they keep talking about that's going to save us from racism because... You know, only white babies can be racist. But how sick, is this? how sick is this? And then you go in deeper and then, oh, please stop having white kids and all this stuff. Uh, also, statistically, though, going back to her other tweet there, uh, white women in America actually do get raped more so by uh, black men. That's just a statistical fact. But yeah, so, so on one hand, you have these shit libs, pardon my language, I know you're Christian, but I'm, I'm going to say it, are uh, screaming white supremacists don't want abortion legal because, you know, it's going to, because more white women are going to lose white babies and, and they don't like that, right? Because that's liberals detest, you know, white people having white babies. So you have that argument on one side, but that's not actually true because it's more so blacks and Hispanics in America that are aborting and then conservatives are then saying, well, this is black genocide because there's more black babies being aborted. Definitely not genocide, though. A population of, of Africa is exploding and no one is forcing these uh, black women or Hispanic women to go get these abortions. But for some reason, they're still blaming uh, racism for why they had to go get these abortions. I don't know. So none of these arguments are, are really holding up. There's no uh, gotcha arguments. But what did you think when you saw this one? Oh, I, I wasn't surprised. It's it's quite typical. It's it's what they go to. They go to that first. It always has to be about white supremacy. Oh, yeah. You always have to be a Nazi. But you know, it comes what it comes down to, it's it's not about ethnicity, but it's it's more about what ethnic groups represent. And you've got to look at it like that. You have to look at 
why white progressives take an anti-white stance. And it's because the ideas that have shaped our culture goes against what they want to do. And they hate the white European culture. They hate um, what it's about and what it represents. And it all comes down to breaking down of the family. And you might think this is really weird, but ethnicity is just family, right? We're all from family groups. If, if you go back to the Bible days, it, it was family groups. And that's all we are. You have different family groups around the world. And white people, we are a family group. We are from the same family. And um, they want to break down the family because the family unit is the number one fight or the number one sort of weapon to use against tyranny. And so they want us to forget about our heritage. They want us to forget about where we have come from. They want us to forget about our family so that we have no loyalty to them and so that we can be overtaken and we can essentially become a big global mixing pot so they achieve their globalist agenda. Um, it's, it's a standard communist response. The only way the rich got rich is by making other people poor. Poverty only exists because rich people exist. They see the same with white people. The only reason white culture is so successful is because we ripped off other people. And, you know, it was done through stealing and exploitation, but it's just envy. You know, it, all it is is envy. They en envy how prosperous our family has been, our, our, our family groups have been. The reason it was so prosperous is because Europe accepted something and had something that a lot of other nations didn't have. And that was the Bible and the Bible reconstructed society. It shaped society over hundreds of years, over thousands of years. The Bible has structured and reshaped society, particularly the West, particularly white people, particularly our family groups. Um, and, you know, abolition of slavery, for example, was a white Christian idea. If it wasn't for us, we probably would still have slavery. And there still is slavery in many parts of the world that aren't under a Judeo-Christian ethic and, and foundational structure. Um, it was it was a progressive growth for our family groups, for, for our ethnicity. It was a progressive growth into greatness. Um, and it developed over time and it still is developing over time. And people don't like that. People hate that. It's it's the ultimate green-eyed monster, the ultimate envy. It's like you could have this if you wanted it, you know, but but people choose to reject the things that made our culture so great, that made our family group so great. Um, it's, you know, it's just literally communism. That That's what it is. And it's just really ugly and unattractive if, when I see white women like that basically tell us that we're wrong for being white. Well, we're, I'm your family. You don't talk that way about your family. And, you know, as I said, you break down the family, you break the nation. And that's exactly what they want to do. They want to make people not love their family, their family groups, so that they can come in and conquer. I think, too, a big part of the anti-white agenda and this whole push for everything is white supremacy, no doubt about it, we were being singled out and attacked. I've done uh, numerous videos on this, and I've been called, you know, the queen bee of white supremacy and all this other crap. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. But ultimately, we stand in the way. Like, we are we are one group as the, that has achieved something unique in the world. When people are crying out in need, they cry out to to European nations when they want help they cry out to us we've been um, 
you know, we explorers, uh, discoverers, uh, inventors, like we have done something unique and special on the planet. And we should be proud that our, our people have done that. Our race is like our extended family, right? There's nothing wrong with saying that. It just is what it is. And we ultimately are capable to stand up against a lot of these forces that are working against, uh, you know, to, to transform the planet. They want to transform the planet in this other image. And I think we stand in the way of their total global control because we are the people that can ultimately uh, end that because I think if we were out of the picture then okay then it'll be the Asians and then it'll be the you know Latinos and then you know they'll come for every other group next what, what do you think yeah, I think, you know, there's such an obsession with ethnicity. There's such an obsession with people's color of their skin. But ultimately, as I said, it comes down to ideology. It comes down to culture. It comes down to what we accept and what we don't accept. And uh, I think you're right. Because of the nature of this ideology, because of the nature of this culture, uh, it will never end. There is there is no one that it will spare. It spares no, no mercy for anyone. Um, and that's the whole idea of this progressive ideology is that no matter how woke you are, no matter how much you say you hate white people, no matter how much you say, uh, you know, this particular race is better than this, no matter what you do, the mob will not spare you. So if they get rid of us, our family group, um, they will come for the next one because it's ever hungry, it's ever thirsty, and it is always out for blood. And it will come after you no matter what you say. You see you see it all the time. You see these wokies uh, going out there saying all these horrible things, and then they slip up one time. They may have dedicated their entire life to standing with the mob in solidarity and and wokeness and then they say one thing that the mob doesn't like and the mob comes after them and that's what we see no matter how much you say you hate white people no matter how much you eradicate white people once we're gone you're next. Yeah, it's never enough for them. And I think, too, that the, this is the whole plan for changing the demographics. They're targeting the West. Remember when... Um Tibet was flooded by the Chinese and all these liberals were crying genocide, right? But then when it's happening in, in Australia or Sweden or pick any European country, it's called diversity. It's called multiculturalism. We're supposed to celebrate becoming a, a forced, minor, hated minority. Things that are happening to us, we've never done to anyone else. You know, they like to embellish history and come up with all these lies and all this propaganda and uh, brainwash our kids to hate themselves. They really want to replace us and they really want us out of the way. And we already see one of the effects that's that's happening. It's making our countries go more left because a lot of these people, they come into our countries and then they're suckers into thinking, yeah, OK, I'll, I'll vote for the leftist party because I'm going to get more things out of it. Right. So that's one of the reasons why they're importing in all these people. And I know a lot of conservatives, they like to try and say, well, we'll just win them over. We'll just win them over to our side, you know, and then they like to show their one um, based <laughs> black friend or like. Mexican friend or something but statistically that's just that's just not the norm right the majority of them still vote left and you see that in Australia too right I mean you're getting hammered with immigration as well 
Yeah, we, we're actually starting a new thing in Australia. In one of our states, every year they're importing 400,000 immigrants to take Australian oh. jobs because of the job shortage crisis, which is really sad because there are thousands of qualified, skilled Australian workers who are without a job because they chose to not take the jab. Um, and so you've got to, you get really angry. I get really angry at that because... 400,000 immigrants every year. Like it's this crazy. isn't a one-off, this is every year. In one state alone uh, is insane. And we only have a population in New South Wales of about 8 million people. So that's a pretty big percentage of people living here um, who are like that. And again, it, it like I actually, I really don't care what, where people come from, what their family group is. I, I just don't care. Like I, uh, I feel like it doesn't bother me. It, what bothers me is the ideology. What bothers me is the, what people's basis for morality is, whether it's relativist or whether it's based on an interchangeable, um, uncompromised ultimate authority. Um, and so when people come into other countries, um, if their ideology is the same, great. I couldn't care less. That's fantastic. We can all live harmoniously together. But it's when countries that have been built on a specific ideology and a notion and a, and a structure um, is then sort of, I guess, uh, those structures are hit by bringing in people who oppose those ideologies. That's when you go, why? Why would why why would we do that? And that's the confusing part for me. But yeah, in Australia, as I mentioned before, we are a very diverse, very multicultural nation. And again, I couldn't care less if we all have the same ideology. We're not trying to destroy the good, um, you know. But it's just unfortunately, like you mentioned, statistically speaking, it doesn't it's it doesn't really work out like the fantasy, the romantic idea in our head that it, it's all just going to work out fine. Uh, reality shows that it usually doesn't. Yeah, and they like to show the, t the, you know, the dumb Netflix special where there's one of each girlfriend of every race hanging out from all around the world and uh, different socioeconomic backgrounds and, uh, uh, you know, LGBTQ in the mix and all this, and they're all good liberals and they all just get along. Like, that's never going to happen. Like, that never happens. It's on a TV mm. show. It's a total fantasy. So just a few more questions for you. I wanted to know, what do you think, and this is a huge one, but the answer is to to fight back and end this current tyranny. And I oftentimes question if uh, if if this planet is even meant for for peace. Right? Is that what this planet is about, or is it is it about uh, the the experience and and what you're becoming along the way and uh, going through the fire, right? Going through the hardship to become this other person, right? The closer to God or or, or the gods. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, look, you've, I think that life is a is a sanctifying process. I think that um, life should be about how we have a good death, and that might sound really weird, but I think life is all about learning how to die well. And I think what makes you die well is what you leave behind, your your legacy. And I have a pretty hopeful view of eschatology, which is end view end end of times sort of worldview. Um, I'm not one of those Christians who thinks that Jesus is going to come next week on a horse and he's going to fix everything and the world's going to be chaos until then. I, I don't believe, like obviously I believe he will return one day, but I don't think that we're there. And someone really wise once sort of said to me, 
You know, you've got to start planting oak trees. You have to start planting orange trees. And these trees take a hundred years, sometimes 50 years to actually start bearing fruit and to start taking fruition and to start looking good. And they said to me, you plant it now, not because you're going to enjoy the fruit in your lifetime, but because your kids and your grandkids will. And I think that's ultimately what we have to do. We got to start planting the oak trees. We got to start doing things with the idea that we need to make this world and leave this world better for our future generations and for our children. And I think that, you know, I have a very post-millennialist view of eschatology, which is basically the world will become more Christianized. And that might seem really odd for people to think that because of the state of the West, But I honestly believe that we're nations under judgment right now, that we're experiencing a great shakeup and a great leveling. And it's those of us who hold on to things that are eternal during this shakeup, those of us who hold on to things that bear good fruit, that will remain and everything else is just at the moment during the shakeup are going to fall off the shelves and smash. And I think as nations, sometimes we have to hit rock bottom so that we can rebuild because the the foundations that we have built the West upon, which is basically morality and religion, these two sort of things, though like our morals and, and our ideologies are so rotten now, those foundational structures have been hit. So everything we've built on top has fallen. And so we almost need to build and rebuild society again. Um, And sometimes, you know, as I mentioned, I think we are under judgment. We've mocked God for too long. We're dismembering nine month old babies in the womb in the name of healthcare. We're allowing 12 year olds to cut their penis off in the name of tolerance. We're literally pumping our bodies full of toxic chemicals um, because we've become so apathetic and lazy and we don't have personal responsibility. It's like, how long can we do this? Stupidity can't sustain itself. And we're at that point where it's like the snake's eating its own tail and it's running out of body and it's got nothing left to eat. And I think that's where we're at. I have a hopeful future that we are going to build back something pretty good, pretty significant, but it all starts, as I said before, in our home. It all starts with protecting the four walls of our home. So when we look out our window and we see this decaying mess outside of that window, we can keep our kids safe. We can teach our children within our homes what freedom actually is. We can teach them how to die well, which means how to live their life in such a way that they don't fear death, that they don't fear this earth, because this earth is just a small blip on what is to come. And I think having that perspective and building for our future generations and their kids so that they don't have to experience the degeneracy that we are, that's our ultimate goal. Because the globalists know when you break the home, you break the nation. And we've allowed them into our homes for far too long. We need to take our homes back. And in taking our home back, we can certainly have a better shot at taking our nations back and rebuilding something great for our grandkids and their kids. Oh, yeah, it's rotten. It's rotten to the core, needs to go down. I think also equally our uh, pre-Christian ancestors are also screaming from Valhalla, just disgusted at (laughs) what is going on. You know, they had their their nine noble virtues and the code of ethics and a very uh, moral people as well, and they are screaming at what is going on, for sure. I think it's interesting, too, you said it had a very 
kind of Norse pagan thing to say about uh, dying well, right? It's about leaving the legacy behind. And I think that's the most important thing. I'm totally with you there. It's about the work that we're doing now, what we're doing to leave behind for our kids. And I think that's beautiful, that idea of planting an oak tree. I love those oak trees, you know, reforesting certain areas, you know, something for your children to to have and enjoy in the future. That's beautiful. So I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk to me today. It's been great getting to know you and, and your your views a little more. Um, so tell us about what you have going on. I know you have your show and any other links you want to share. Yeah, thank you. So I author for Cauldron Pool. I've just recently started a Cauldron Pool show, which is a video and audio podcast. Um, you know, I'm just cr- trying to offer an alternative perspective to what most Australians are sort of hearing. We're very sort of, sh- we're on a prison island here. So, um, you know, I'm trying to get a lot of international guests and, and offer new perspectives. A lot of people sort of come to me um, and say, you know, they want answers. So I'm just tr- doing my best to kind of to answer that and I'm using the podcast as a tool for that um, I'm on all social media accounts as well um, pretty much on on everything um, I'm most active I would say on Twitter that's where I do my best trolling uh, occasionally I do some pretty good trolling on Instagram as well but um, yeah you can follow me there um, and yeah I really appreciate you having me on it's been it's been great I had a really great friendly conversation with Evelyn off the record and we talked about the pagan Christian question. And we also talked about the liberalization of the Christian church. Those are some things I wanted to get into, uh, which I should definitely have her back so we can get into that in the near future. But that's it for now, ladies and gentlemen. A big thanks to our supporters and donors who make what we do possible. We're here because of you. We are honored to be walking on the edge, spreading the truth, 100% supported by you, not by some uh, sketchy folks at some dodgy org. (laughs) And we have diversified and we can be found in many places. If you don't know where to look, the easiest thing to do is just go to redice.tv or redicemembers.com and find all our links. We'll see you on the next one. Do you love Red Ice? Want more? Get access to exclusive material by signing up for a Red Ice membership. You'll be able to watch Weekend Warrior, our flagship show, the second hour of interviews, and other special feature videos only for subscribers. Were you a member and we lost you along the way? Renew! We love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you. Help us be a sane voice, a lighthouse in the sea of insanity. As times get tougher, as people are searching for answers, they're going to need content like red ice. A little of all your support can go a long way. Thank you.